Hi, I'm Mike, and you are listening to Real Things That Really Matter. Our heart in this show is to open up the floor to conversation about topics in the Bible and Christianity that may be hard to understand and to see them from different perspectives. I know that we don't always agree on some things, but we feel that we should be able to ask questions and listen to each other as we walk through this life following Jesus. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy as we venture into another conversation on real things that really matter. Hi, Matt. Hi, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing all right today. We made it another week. We made it another week. Thank you, Jesus. That's pretty awesome. We still have purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what should we talk about today? Well, there's been, uh, it's been in our list of things to talk about, and we actually had a listener email in and, and ask the same question, so we're going to tackle this. What is the unforgivable sin? What does that mean? Ah, uh, yes. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it's written, that is the unforgivable sin. Yes. So Jesus talks about it, and he talks about it uh, specifically in Mark 3. So I'm going to go ahead and read most of Mark 3 to give you some context. That sounds good. Let's read some scripture. Okay. Another, so starting in Mark 3, another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus withdrew to his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people called to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God, but he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up to a mountainside and called to, those, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Jesus uh, was then came down to Jerusalem and he said, he entered a house and came Again, a crowd gathered and so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to charge, take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, his end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. 
Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an internal of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. There it is. There it is. And we're no closer to the answer than we were when we started. (laughs) (laughs) So we need to unpack that. So what was Jesus doing? He was healing. Yeah. Uh, He was healing people. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was casting out demons. Yes. And he was healing people that were, that had, you know, shriveled up hands and so forth. And the Pharisees and Sadducees didn't like it. No, of course they didn't. They were either jealous or they just didn't believe that Jesus was real. So they said, oh, that's what he's doing is he's summoning demons from the, the netherworld and that they're giving him the power to do these things. Right. He's doing it by the power of Satan. Right. So, so that's what they were saying. Yeah. You're, that's what you're, you're, you're channeling the power of the devil somehow and you're, you're, and you're making people healed. Yeah. Which makes no sense. Yeah. Why would the devil do that? Right. I, I, yeah. So whatever, they couldn't accept it. And so if what you don't accept, you get rid of. And so they said, okay, we're, we're going to have to get rid of you. And we're, we're saying you're from the, you're from the devil. We're going to plot to kill you. We're going to discredit you. We're going to say all these things because we don't understand what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jesus is coming back and he says, Hey, you know what? You're seeing me do these things and you're saying they're from the devil and they're not, they're from God. Yeah. And you're blaspheming, you're blaspheming what I'm doing and you're, you're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. You're saying the Holy Spirit's power is actually the devil's power and that's wrong and that can't be forgiven. So they're turning the light into darkness, right? They're saying, they're saying that the son of God, the son of man, Jesus, he, 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 he's essentially a figurehead of Satan. Yeah. That doesn't, that's not good. No, it isn't. And so, and in like modern day times, if you're saying, well, I, I know that I been told that Jesus is the son of God and the Holy spirit comes and lives inside your heart. And that's, that seals you. And I reject that. And I don't believe that. And I don't want to believe that. And I'm not going to. Yeah, that's rejection of God and the Holy Spirit and the thing that can save you. That's rejection of of His gift. Well, yeah, because so, yeah, the Holy Spirit is here and He's the one that draws us to the Father. Correct? Yes, sir. So through 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 Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then He says um, that the Spirit will draw you to the Father. He will be the one that draws you in. And so I guess. Blaspheme would be attributing rejection of the things of Christ. Yeah, that's what it is. And it's blaspheming, blaspheming and, and rejecting the gift of salvation. That yeah. is the unforgivable sin. Yeah, I was, I was doing some, some research. Uh, and this is, you know, this is just a website blog. Um, but it said something in that, in that blog that really made it made sense uh, in a way that I guess I've never been able to put my own words to it. That's the beauty of technology. And yeah, sure. Being able to other, other people can listen to other people better than we can sometimes. Yeah. Um, but they write here, the context is uh, of this, of this passage is attributing to Satan Christ's authenticating miracles done in power of the Holy spirit and never repenting of that attitude. 
And so in other words, the only unpardonable sin, the unpardonable sin, what Jesus is referring to is a persistent refusal to acknowledge the presence of God in Christ. And that, that makes sense. Uh, because when I think about it, the only thing that I've ever read in the Bible that actually gives us an example of what the unpardonable sin, who has committed it, that would be Satan and his army. Yeah, like, that's totally, that's a good point. Yeah. Like there's not really been, even Pharaoh, God was drawing Pharaoh. He was working on drawing Pharaoh to him through all of the the plagues and the, and the afflictions on Egypt. There was always a call for Pharaoh to accept God as God, as Lord, as Yahweh. And um, you see these things as, well, he's always drawing people until their final breath. And at that point, if I've rejected Christ after my final breath, well, then I actually don't have a, a chance to make the choice anymore. I don't get a, a mulligan. Okay, yeah. And let's go back to Pharaoh then. So all those all those plagues happened and everything happened. And uh, he, he got just annihilated with, with frogs and... Flies. And, and, yeah, hate flies. and grasshoppers and everything Locusts, else. and Gnats. Yeah. And, all the and, annoying and, bugs. Yeah, and bloody... bloody Bloody rivers and lakes and <laughs> so forth. So, yeah. And so then the final thing happens where they part the Red Sea and his, him and his army go in it and then the waves crash in on him. Yes. See, if the waves are crashing in on him right there and he says, this is my end. And he repents right there at that moment. Hmm. In those final seconds. I think he can still go to heaven. Well, there's a parable that Jesus tells about that, about the workers. Yeah. And and when I read that, I read the parable of the workers as uh, it doesn't matter when you decide to become part of the family. Right. I will give you the same wage, the same reward. And, right. the, and the reward of Christ yeah, is I love eternal that life. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I, I totally, you know, that this kind of gets into a, a little bit of a different topic, but... Um, I believe that God calls us, he draws us, the Holy Spirit is trying to draw us to the truth that is Jesus until we absolutely have no other chances. Our breath is gone from our body. It's so important. He, and he'll, he'll make things happen in our lives so that we can be drawn close to him. Because yeah. he knows what's better for us than we do. Right. And we still have free will to say no. So I don't want to get to the point where it's like, well, yeah. God's interfering with our free will. Right. Yeah. No, there's it, no chance of us of rejecting him. No, he's, he's really not. But, but there's so much more, I think, to it. And that's why it goes to, I can't be the judge because I don't know what God's doing in the spiritual realm. Our, our, we're a physical body. We're a spiritual being in a physical body. And in those moments, I, how many times do you hear of people that talk about, their experiences of near death where things are just completely unexplainable. It's because I think they're getting past this physical plane right? and experiencing things that are just unfathomable in our finite mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so when God calls us and draws us to him, even in our last breath, is that just because I don't hear you say it doesn't mean he didn't. Right. And, I, I think that's a, that's a good point. You know, you, you see all these uh, people that had near death experiences when they're like in two worlds, and they they totally had a had a come to Jesus moment, right? Totally, literally, yeah. yeah. The the vision of of Christ, 
the vision of him walking or drawing them in or telling them the truth. And so, or the vision of hell. And they said, Hey, and the one guy cried, said, cried out, God, give me one more chance, one more chance. And they got, they got zapped back and right. he was saved somehow. Right. He was pulled from, yeah, pulled he, from he came, yeah. destruction. Right. And he was like, this is, this is so just, this is a feeling of despair and just desolate. Right. There's, there's no escape from this. And God, I'm really sorry. Give me one more chance. And, yeah. And somehow the doctors were able to save him and bring him back. And so I think, I think this unforgivable sin, I think we sometimes may have the wrong idea about it or get terrified that we've committed it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, like, Oh, I've made this one moment choice and, and I was, I was out of my mind or making horrible choices or whatever. Have I committed this unforgivable sin? Yeah, have I cursed the Holy Spirit in my thoughts and and you know just by saying you can't think of pink elephants and then you think of pink elephants. But, <laughs> and it's like, have I done that? Have I cursed the Holy Spirit and damned myself just because I cursed the Holy Spirit in my thoughts or whatever? And right. It's like, no, that's not what it means. I, yeah, I like I like the con- context of uh, it's rejecting Christ the the presence of God in Christ. It's rejecting Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life until you can't make the choice anymore. Right. Once that breath is gone from you, once you've left this existence and you've entered into the new the new age, the new plane, the new uh, wherever we go. The point of no return. Yeah. Let's call it death. Let's call it death. Right. Uh once I've if I've rejected Christ to the point of death here in this mm-hmm. life that's unforgivable because I have rejected him and I know what the consequence of rejecting salvation, rejecting the gift of the cross and, and Jesus's payment for my sins. I know what the penalty is for that. Right. And in my, one of my favorite verses is Titus two eleven, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Yeah. So in my view, that verse means that God has has uh, presented himself to every man that's ever lived in some way or fashion or another. Say, this is who I am. You can have a relationship with me or you don't have to. Right. The free will. And given them a chance to make that choice. Yeah. And each one of us. So when you and when you there's people out there that says, you know what? I don't care about your gift. I don't want your gift. And I'm going to reject you my whole entire life. And I'm never going to change no matter what. Then that's the unforgivable sin. Right. That's rejection of the Holy Spirit and the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the gift, the seal of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That saves you. I agree. Yeah. I, and listener, I, I know that many of us as Christ followers read that passage in, in Mark or in Matthew. And we say, um, man, I really hope I haven't done that. I believe if we're, if we're concerned about it at all, then absolutely we haven't done it because we're asking the questions of how am I, how am I doing, how am I following Jesus? Well, how am I accepting the things that he says? Well, and people that are rejecting Christ, they don't care. I don't think they care. Yeah. They're like, I don't care if I've rejected yeah, the curse I've, of the Holy I've, Spirit. So I've, what? There is no Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, yeah. There's, why would I care about something that doesn't exist? Your book means nothing to that me. That is garbage that was written thousands of years ago by a bunch of dead people right. that made it up for, for all as I know. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's just another pretty poetry book that yeah, has these things that I don't believe. Bible or no Bible, I still don't, and so, I'm not buying what you're selling. Yeah. Why? I think exactly. as a Christ follower, when we're, when we're asking that question, um, that's really the doubt that Satan starts to place in us that, well, you may have done it already, so you might as well walk away. Well, you've already, 
You, yeah, you've already done yeah. it. And it's like, yeah, well, you know what, Christian, you've, you've cursed the Holy spirit. You're already damned. Yeah. Do you so remember you know when what? you said this thing? Do you yeah, remember when that you... one thing, <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Now you're mine. Now you can't be saved. Mm-hmm. Now you're done. See in hell for infinity, bud. Right. Wrong. And it, and it gets happen. you to doubt your own salvation. Right. And that's what the devil wants. He's like, I want you to be tortured and depressed and not effective Christian. Right. And And to doubt God and to be miserable. And yeah. And I think like, again, that's when I look at the stories in the Bible, the only one that I, that I see is being, well, you are completely unforgivable is Satan and his army. The ones that were cast from heaven. Right. Yeah. And that's the only example I ever, I've ever seen that I can actually, that I can wrap my head around. Let's put it that way. Right. I, I suppose some people might say Judas. Um, and see, I have a different view of that. Okay. Why don't you tell me your view? Or do you think that's I, getting us off topic? I Well, and I don't, not, maybe not, maybe not necessarily off topic. Um, you know, Peter and Judas both kind of denied Christ, both betrayed Jesus in those moments. Yeah, yes. Judas betrayed him to the ones that wanted to kill him. Right. Peter didn't d- betrayed him as a friend. Right. So I don't know him. Um, yeah. And, but they both betrayed him. Yes. And Jesus gives us the example of what he does with Peter because Peter, while he was miserable and guilt ridden and just overwhelmed with the shame of betraying his best friend, he goes and he tries to continue on in life. And Jesus shows up and totally uh, walks through redemption with Peter. Right. He forgives him. Sure. Right. And, and he, and he, uh, sits down and has breakfast with him and, and gives Peter a chance to like redo the whole scenario. And he asks Peter, you know, do you love me? He does it three times. And Peter all three times goes through and says, yes, you know, I love you. And, and there's a forgiveness and a redemption in that, in that process. Judas doesn't give Jesus the chance to do that. Judas is so guilt ridden. And in his guilt, he goes out and he kills himself. But right. I believe that if he would have, given Jesus the chance if he would have waited, repented. Yeah. And you know, he, I, I think he could have been forgiven. Oh, totally. Yeah. What if Jesus would and have, so, I mean, what if Judas would have waited? Yeah. Right. I don't know and can't say that that was the unforgivable sin because Jesus himself even says, if you blaspheme me, you can be forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Jesus also says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father in heaven. I believe that's that unforgivable sin. That's that's moving into that last breath because Peter denied Jesus three times and yet Jesus forgave him. Right. And brought him back in and said, no, 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 you're, you're mine. I'm not letting you go. G- Peter was still alive though. Now, if I deny Jesus until my dying breath, before God, Jesus will deny knowing me as well. Right. And Correct. Judas shortchanged himself because he didn't give himself the chance for redemption. Right. He said, I'm going to make the choice. I'm, I can't, I can't live, live with, with myself. I can't live with my own guilt. Yep. By my, so I'm going to make this own selfish choice that there's nothing that can redeem me, even right. though I've spent all this time with, with the most, Jesus, with the most famous person that's ever lived or shall ever live. Right. And was, you know, the creator of all things. And I sold him out, you yep. know, for twenty pieces of silver. So, I, I can't live with that. And I really goofed up. And there's no redemption for me. I'm going to kill myself. So I think that's a really good example of what happens when we let that that process in our minds go crazy. 
Yeah. So, so they both essentially, you know, and you can argue with me about, oh, it was a different degree of betrayal and it was just so much worse what Judas did and blah, blah, blah. I don't, that's not where I want to go. I want to, that the things that were going on, because Peter, imagine, imagine your best friend. The last thing that he ever saw you say was, I don't know him. I'm telling you, I don't know that guy. And then you watch him get nailed to a piece of wood in a horrific way of death after he's been tortured and and beaten and bruised and bloodied and yeah and if the Peter, last thing if you Peter know was even there and you know that know the him, last yeah. thing that you saw you know that your friend saw was i don't know who he is i denied my friend i denied my i'd been denied my friend and i and i totally boofed i yeah. totally goofed it and he could have let the thought process go in his mind as well to the point where i can't be forgiven of this i am a horrible scum person and right. he could have done the same thing that judas did as well if he'd have let that thought i think consume him. consume his mind right yeah and there's also the part <laughs> this is a new wrinkle on this i didn't anticipate that the holy spirit hadn't appeared yet at that point either Right, it hadn't been. He hadn't been poured out on all. Right, all, so the, all the Holy Spirit women. actually wasn't there to seal your your this new this new way, the way of new way of doing things. Right, because so, Jesus says, "Go and wait and pray." Yeah, don't and, don't and don't, don't do anything off. until you, you, you stay yeah, right there until you're baptized this, this and you receive the, power. This is an important. This yeah, you is need the this. most important part. Do not leave. Right, right, and so I think, I think we can get. And, and really, you know, most of our conversations really kind of come to a point of what is our focus? You know, I, I, I run, uh, with a lot of, uh, broken people in addiction and in hurt and in pain. And I've walked through a lot of life myself in that, in that process. Yeah, and I, I know have to, that, sure. and, and you can maybe agree with me on this. You know, I know that when I focus on my screw up, when I focus on my problem, when I focus on the sin that is so overwhelming and so big that I can't ever get over it. I can't get past it. I can't get through the shame and the guilt. I want to hide. I want to just find a way to make it end. And that's when I focus on the sin. And so if I, and, but when I focus on Jesus, when he's my focus, when I'm drawing closer to him with my mess, with my problems, with my junk, the guilt and the shame starts to wash off. And the problem that I'm having seems to become less powerful. And so I think when we look at this question as what is the unforgivable sin? Have I done the unforgivable sin? I need to know, I need to know what I don't need to do to not commit the unforgivable sin. We're starting to focus on the things that are going to draw us away from Christ in a way. We're focusing on the problem, the thing that Satan wants us to focus on so that we're not effective in building the relationship with Christ. Because if we're following Jesus and we're really building that relationship, I don't think there's any fear of actually committing a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit or of Christ or of any of that. Right. I mean, look at the parable of the prodigal son. It's kind of like that. You know, the, he said, you know what? Just dad, just give me all my stuff that I'm owed. Yeah. And that means you have to liquidate a bunch of the land and stuff that you, that you own. And then I'm going to go off and I'm going to do my own thing and screw you. And I'm out of here. Yeah. Thanks very much. I don't want you. Right. And then essentially, essentially saying, I wish you were dead. Right. I'm disowning you, yeah. Dad. Yeah. Dad, but, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm the I'm, son, I'm the younger bla- son. I'm blaspheming you, yeah. Dad. Yeah. Yep. So, and then he he goes off and he says, "You know what? 
I was wrong. And he comes back. Yeah. So you could, there is redemption. And you think if you, whatever you've done or whatever curse you think you've put on God or the Holy Spirit or um, on Jesus, it you can come back and you can be forgiven and you can have a relationship with him. And that's important. And Absolutely. that's the most important decision you can make. And if you're worried about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you probably haven't. Yeah. I would right. say, I would say you probably haven't. In fact, I would say you definitely have not. If you're not worried about it, you're like, you know what? I don't care about God or anything he has going on. That's something to be concerned about. I think that the more, the more prevalent question would be for any of the listeners that are, that are listening is have you accepted Christ as your savior? Yeah. That's have you accepted him as the Lord of your life? Do you acknowledge the fact that you need him to be your savior. And that would be uh, stepping into that, into the light. That would be stepping into his gift of salvation. Absolutely. And at that point, you're considered a son of God. You're considered in the family. And that would be um, not rejecting Christ. Right. And you get sealed with the Holy Spirit once you make that decision. Yeah. And when you pray to when you pray to God and accept his and accept his forgiveness and him into your into your heart. The Holy Spirit comes into your heart and seals you. Yeah. And again, I know we've you know, we've um we've done it before, but I wanna maybe take this time to just say how simple it really is. There's no magic formula, there's no um there's no mantra. There's no dance. It's simply, it's not a magic spell. It's, it's a heart thing. It's not a word thing. Even it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta actually want it and believe it in your heart and want it in your heart. Yeah. And want a relationship with God inside your heart. And it's in Romans that it's really laid out in one of the most simple, beautiful ways that, uh, is, is the first step in this. And it says in Romans 10, nine, um, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah, that's it. That's right. And And if you pray to God and you say, Hey Lord, I, I just feel so empty on the inside and I want you to come, come live in my heart and be, be a part of my life. And I want what you're given. Yeah. And I accept you. And that's that first step of faith, the faith of a mustard seed. Totally is. And so that is the start of a journey, listener. If you if you want to take that um, that step today, if you never have, Romans ten nine is the beginning uh, the beginning of that journey. And it's a lifetime of walking with Jesus and learning from the Holy Spirit of the things that He has taught and how to do this life well as we follow Christ in this crazy chaotic world. So. I hope we were helpful today. Um, I think it was kind of a powerful one. I didn't expect it to be this powerful, but. <laughs> that's the, that's the <laughs> that's beauty the, that's of the talking beauty of about yeah, Jesus and, and bringing the word of God uh, in, into existence. When we speak it, it says the word of God never returns void. That's right. So as long as we're speaking the words that he's given us, we know that things are happening and we trust that and we believe that. And that's why we do what we're doing here. That was beautiful, Mike. Thank you. That was, Matt. Thanks for, for walking through that with me and, and listeners. Thanks for tuning in today. We love you all. God bless you. God bless. Thanks for joining us today. 
We hope that you have been challenged to study God's word to find out what it says and to build on what you believe. Our heart is to help create a desire in you to draw closer to Jesus. If you would like to contact us with questions or comments, email us at mikematrealthings at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform to stay in the know of what we are doing. Again, thanks for joining us today. May God bless you and keep you. See you next time.